Welcome to Bethel World Outreach Church. Our values are devotion, diversity, and discipleship. Devotion through honoring God by trusting His Word, praying, and worshiping together. Diversity by embracing God's heart for every nation. And discipleship by helping others follow Jesus. So join us as we're reaching a city to touch the world. And you're going to hear a powerful message from a son of the house. Let's give it up as God speaks through Pastor Ernie Kruger this morning. Come on now. Won't somebody hear am I? Go ahead, Ernie. You sing that, that next part. Oh, gosh. You know, uh... Is, is it possible to be anointed and tone deaf at the same time? Because if it is, I'm that guy. Well, good morning, Bethel. Um, Pastor James, thank you for introducing me like that. Katie and I moved back to Tennessee from Texas and uh, with our five children, our army. And it's been a wonderful uh, time to come back. And we just, we just love this church so much. And it's a great honor to be with you guys today. We love Pastor James and Debbie. We love Pastor Dave and his wife, Holly. We love the leadership team, all the pastors on staff. Um, we just love this church. This is my church. I just came back from Canada and Vancouver and spoke at the University of British Columbia and spoke at our churches there in Vancouver, um, work with leaders. And I really love going and seeing what God's doing in the rest of the world. And lots of people got saved and trained and it was amazing. But I just love coming to my church. This is my church. You are my people. And happy to belong. And before we get out of this nice little tune, you know Pastor Bryson, is he in here somewhere? I mean, he wrote that song. You guys know that he wrote that song in his car? I mean, that's amazing. I will go, you send, I follow. That, I didn't know that until today. That's one of my favorite songs. And I think that song is really applicable to today. So would you guys please stand with me as we read the word this morning? Um, go with me to Ephesians chapter 2. And I'm going to read two, three verses, chapter, verse 8, 9, and 10. And I want to share some thoughts with you as we go into the series, conclude the series, Know, Grow, and Go. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, 9, and 10. Should be up on the screens for you. For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. It's not a result of works so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Let's say together, good works. works. Which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Lord, I pray God today as we open your word and we read it. I pray that your word would read us, that your word would come and divide within us between bone and marrow, soul and spirit. Lord, I pray that your word would impart to us something profound today. Lord, I thank you as we examine the scriptures, Lord, that they are examining us. Lord God, I thank you, Holy Spirit, as we look into the the word like a mirror, it is showing us who we are and also who we need to be and who we are called to be. And I pray, Father, that you would anoint us today, that you would speak to us today and make us look more like you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Please grab a seat. Pastor James, when he asked me to, to uh, conclude the series, Know, Grow, Go, 
I was really excited. I, I love the idea and the concept of no, grow, go. I was deeply impacted when I moved here in 2012. This became my home church. Um, I went on staff here as a staff evangelist um, at, at, uh, at Bethel. I was known as Minister Ernie um, at that time. You know, that was a new title. I've never known that, that, that you could have a title like that. But Pastor James introduced me to so, a lot of new things. You know, that was one of them. And, um, and, and I... I came to know Jesus in an even greater way. I got saved in South Africa and um, God changed my life there. But I, st- I came to know him in, a, in an even greater way here uh, at this church. And then I started growing in a greater way here at this church. And I, find, I found myself going even all the more and finding myself more busy with the Great Commission. I saw more people come to know Jesus than I ever have. And it all happened and I was imp- that, that happened in me here at this church. Now, when it comes to the concept of go, we started with no. Pastor James preached knowing and growing the last two weeks. And now my task is to talk about go. Now, you can't talk about go and overlook the fact that we started this series with no. Because God does not tell the world to do anything. God does not command the world. This right here, what we read in Scripture, is not a command to the world. It's a command to His church. What I love about this church and why I want my wife and I wanted this church to be our church is because this church is a governing structure. It's called an ecclesia. It's a group of people that's not added by some fancy ad and good signage on the building. It's also not a church that just has a beautiful building and nice, really nice seats. Which, by the way, is a nice upgrade from when I was last year. I liked this church before they had nice seats. This church is a people governed by the Holy Spirit. You are here and called to belong to this people, not by a man, but called by God. God puts the lonely in family. God actually doesn't just save us, but He places us. And Bethel is a place where we are called to know Him, we are called to grow in Him, and we are called to go for Him. That's who we are. So if you did not know that, welcome to the family. That's who we are. Here at Bethel, we know Him. Here at Bethel, we grow in Him. And here at Bethel, we go on His behalf. We are sent to go by Him. All of us in this spiritual family are called to know, grow, and go. Now, this message can seem moralistic in ways. And I want to, I chose this text, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8, 9, and 10. Because Paul, the apostle, wrote this letter to the church in Ephesus. And he wanted to remind them how they were saved. Because we are going to talk today about good works. We're going to talk about going, but before we get to the going, I want to just go back to the knowing part for a moment. All right? How do we come to know Jesus? We come to know Jesus through the drawing of the Holy Spirit. You remember that? Do you remember when you were still running from Jesus? And all of a sudden, one day you look up and your heart's transformed. And you're like, well, how did I go from there to there? Anyone remember that? I remember in the University of Stellenbosch, the night before I got saved, I was running from God. And how is it possible that I can run from Him and run into Him at the same time? Right? We are called to know Him. So God does not tell people that don't know Him to go anywhere. 
He calls them to come to Him. The Spirit of the living God, the Holy Spirit, draws all men unto Himself. He draws men. You've been drawn to the Lord by the Holy Spirit. You were in your sin. You were dead in your transgressions. You loved your sin even though you may have sinned a little less than your neighbor. You were a filthy, dead, trapped sinner. And everybody say amen. Amen. That didn't feel good, did it? But God drew you out of that. He drew you out of that, and He drew you through Christ. See, the Spirit draws us to Christ, who's the only mediator between God and man. And there was a mediation that happened between you and God. And that mediation was only possible through the drawing of the Holy Spirit and the work of Jesus Christ. And Paul said to the church in Ephesus, he said, It is by grace that you have been saved through faith. It is by grace. It's what Jesus did for you on the cross that you actually have been saved. And the moment you got saved is the moment you put all your faith, all your trust, all your hope, all your confidence in that grace. Salvation is not something that we do and we earn and we achieve. It's something that we receive by faith. It's not something that we stumble upon. It's something that was planned before time began. Can you believe it? Before you were even conceived, before you were knitted in your mother's womb, the Holy Spirit and the Father and the Son planned your salvation. Can you believe that you would matter that much to the God Almighty that rules over the heavens and the earth? You matter to Him and He's called you first to know Him. And here's what happens. The moment we get born again, and Paul said, you've been saved through, by grace through faith. He said, this is not your own doing. Lest any man should boast. Lest any man should say, oh, yeah, 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 brother, I'm, I'm a Christian, man. I got there, man. You, you got to be like me. There's no such Christian that's proud of his salvation. There's only a Christian that's grateful that he is saved. To be Christian is not to be proud. To be Christian by definition is to be grateful. It's to be grateful that there would be mercy so deep and so profound shown to a person that's undeserving. That's what Paul said. He said, you can't earn this. You can't work for this. If you lived a million lifetimes, you lived a million years, you started 75 orphanages, you fed the homeless every day, you spent your fortune to help the poor and the disenfranchised, and you lived a million years and you did that every day, none of that would quantify you being saved. It was only God who became a man, who lived perfect 60 seconds in a minute, who lived perfect 24 hours in a day, who lived perfect 365 days of the year and 366 days on a leap year he was the only one worthy to save man there's nothing we can add to salvation paul said you have been a filthy wretched sinner you were dead and dead people can't get better because you weren't sick you were dead in your sins oh but the holy spirit drew you because he wanted you to know god and as he drew you to christ there was this mediation where the atonement, the payment that Christ made for your sin was completely sufficient. And all your sins were paid. You, my friends, you Bethel Community Church, you know Jesus. A friend of mine called me last yesterday afternoon. It was evening in his time and it was mid-afternoon my time. And he said, Ernie, I have to share this with you. He lives in England. He's a, a church planter in England. He said, I have to share this with you. 
He said, my daughter, who's 14, just came to know Jesus today. Now listen, when he said that, I was like, oh, I thought she knew Jesus. I mean, she's one of the most incredible young people I've ever met. I mean, you talk about, I would potentially want someone that I love dearly to marry her. Like, you know, like, you know, like sometimes as a dad, you'll like select people. Have any, any dads in here? You're like, you kind of like, ah, I wonder if this, and if there was someone, if I was the one to choose, I would maybe choose this person, you know. He said, Ernie, for two hours, she was in tears. She was crying so hard and then she cried even more hard and then i thought man and then we started crying and then she started crying even more hard and the whole time she was saying i just always struggle to worship him i always struggle to read my bible i struggle to want to go to church and i saw all these people so excited about him and i just felt so disconnected and she said oh my gosh what i'm experiencing now is amazing she said, I didn't know that there's a peace like this. I didn't know that there's a joy like this. And she's saying this with tears streaming down her face in the most beautiful British accent, if you can imagine that. And my friends and, and his wife just looked, and they, they've been Christians her whole life. She's been around Christ her whole life. But see, there's something that happens, and that was, that's what Paul told the church in Ephesus. He said, you have been saved by grace through faith. You didn't earn any of this. It's a gift from God, lest any man should boast. But then he says, it's interesting, he doesn't stop there with the knowing part. He says, but you were created in Christ Jesus for good works. So he's telling them, your works can't save you. And then he says, but there's good works that God has prepared in advance that you should walk in them. So when we come to know Jesus... And I'm talking about not grow familiar with him and, oh, I've obtained some knowledge. There's some mental ascent. Yeah, I believe that he existed, but I'm not sure if he was really God or just a prophet. No, when you come to know the one true king, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, he who raises the dead, he who opens the blind eyes, you know when you met him. Yeah, 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 I'm a Christian, but I'm just not sure that he's for the whole world. You have not known, you have not come to know my Jesus. Because the moment I came to know him, everything changed. Everything changed in me and around me. My eyes opened. My heart changed. That's what Ezekiel 37 said. That God would take a heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. He would actually make you new. Everything shifts when you come to know Jesus. And we're not asking people to go for Jesus. They don't know Jesus. That's moralism. That's you trying to earn something and prove something. What Jesus did, we can't add anything to that. But oh my gosh, when you come to know him, woo, you start growing. You start getting, you get your first prophetic word. Remember when that happened? You're like, oh my gosh, God knows my thoughts. God knows my past and my future. Then you start reading the Bible and your eyes open up and you're like, oh my gosh. And you start growing and now you don't just have this intimate first-hand knowledge of Christ and this relationship with Christ. You've been saved by grace. You come to know His Word and now your mind is being transformed and renewed. As Romans 12, 2 says, that your mind is transformed by the renewal of your mind to know the perfect, pleasing will of Christ. Your, your thoughts change. Your perspective change. You are not the same anymore. Not only have you now been justified, you're now being sanctified. 
It's just as you've never sinned. God remembers your sin no more. You're born again into a new family, into a new life. Your eternity is secure. And now you start changing. You start acting like you're born again, somebody. If you're born again, you need to be living like you're born again. What do you mean I've been born again, but I still love my sin? No, 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 no. When you are born again, sin don't taste good no more. God starts cleaning you up and he cleans up your mind and he cleans up your mouth and he cleans up your heart and he starts changing the way you spend your time and your money and everything about you starts shifting. And that's what Paul said, listen, you've been saved. Let there be no doubt how you've been saved. It's by faith alone, in God's grace alone. This is the work that Jesus accomplished for you. You don't have to accomplish anything, but there are good works that God has gone ahead of you, Bethel. He's gone ahead of you, everyone in this room, not, not, not some of us, all of us. And He's prepared those good works that you and I should walk in that. That's a promise. Let's go look, is this, is this a New Testament thing? Or is this an Old Testament and New Testament thing? Let's go look at Genesis chapter 1, the first chapter in the Old Testament. Let's, let's see what God told Adam. Let's look at this verse. Consider this. You don't have to open that. They can just put it up for us. It says, God in Genesis chapter 1, 27, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Verse 28, and God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. Also translated as go into all the earth, right? So here you have the first human that God's made, that God has a relationship with. He first blesses them, and then he tells them to go. Okay, let's go and look at Abraham's life in Genesis chapter 12. What does God do? He says, now the Lord said to Abraham, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you and I will make your name great so that you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Abram went, he we took God's command to go, he went, he obeyed, and as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him, and Abraham was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Let's look at Moses' life. Genesis chapter 3, sorry, Exodus chapter 3. Come and I will send you, go to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. So now you have Adam that's told to go. Now you have Abraham that's told to go. Now you have Moses that's told to go. And what happens to Joshua? In Joshua chapter 1, God says, you go. He says, now Moses is dead. Now you go. After the death of Moses, you can put that back up, sorry. He says, there we go. After the death of, death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise and Go over this Jordan that you and all these people into the land that I'm giving them to the people of Israel. So God didn't tell Abraham, Adam to go only. He told Abraham to go. He told Moses to go. He told Joshua to go. Now you have the first four books of the Bible. It's all talking about go in the Old Testament. So is the New Testament a new idea of going? No, it's not. What did God tell the 72 to do? What did Jesus command the 72 to do? He said, go and preach the gospel, heal the sick, cast out demons. And he said, and proclaim the kingdom of God. And then what did God say in Matthew 28? You go into all the world and make disciples. So what is the command very clear in scripture? 
we as God's people must always go. Now, is this Bethel's idea? Is this a biblical idea? Now, you have to understand that Bethel did not come up with the idea of go. This is God's idea. God appointed leaders at Bethel to oversee the people, to, to provide leadership and guidance to Bethel, to make sure that Bethel knows God. To make sure that Bethel is a people that's growing in God. And to make sure that Bethel is a people that's going with God. I love this quote from J.I. Packer, who is a profound thought leader and a theologian. A thought leader makes more sense to people today than a theologian. Good thoughts, godly thoughts. He said, though we are justified by faith alone, the faith that justifies is never alone. He said, you can do anything to save yourself. It's faith alone that saves you. But if you have saving faith, if you've come to know Jesus, oh my goodness, your faith will never remain alone. There'll be works. You will find yourself busy in the kingdom of heaven. Okay, let's, you don't believe me yet. So let's, let's go to Martin Luther, a great reformer. He said, God does not need your good works, but your neighbor does. God does not need your good work. So I'm not up here trying to inspire you to be stronger, be better. No, I'm actually wanting to point you to Scripture and say in the invitation that God has for you to know Him, in the work of the Holy Spirit to purify and clean His church, the growth part where you are identified in your leadership gifts and the things the Holy Spirit has put on you come, becomes known, there's a call to go. Your neighbor needs your, your obedience and your availability. You'll never be more saved than you are today. If you've given your life to Jesus, you've come to know Christ, and you never do anything good for Jesus, never, you'll never be more saved. A couple years ago, my father-in-law called me and said, hey, can you please come down? My, his father, Fred Barker, was on his last leg. Hospice had given him about 10 days to live. At this point, I was about 15 hours from Nashville. We were in West Texas at a conference. I drove all our students to to Dallas, unloaded them, swapped cars. My wife and I and the kids got in the car and drove as fast as we could to Nashville. And I took this Bible of mine and I sat on the side of Grandpa Fred's bed, who was in the final stages of dementia, and who my father-in-law was not sure that he actually had come to know the saving grace of Jesus. He was struggled, had multiple battles in his life, was not like the model father and the model man. And he was getting more and more nervous as he was approaching the edge of death. He said, could you please just preach to him for three days, Ernie? So I took my Bible and I started reading my Bible to him. Every time he would have about five minutes of just cognitive, full cognitive presence, where he's really there and he would slip back into dementia and then he would fall asleep. So I sat for three days just on his bedside reading the Bible, reading the Gospels, explaining the Gospels. Every time I saw that he's got a moment of sobriety, that his mind's fully there. He's being kept alive by machines and nurses. He can't do anything for Jesus. He can't do any good works. Everybody is trying to keep him alive. And I'm just reading the Gospels and reading the Gospels. On the third day, he looks at me. He says, Ernie, the Gospel has never sounded good to me. I've never felt like I needed that. He says, but right this moment, I understand. 
I see. And right there at 85 years old, on a couple days before his death, Grandpa Fred prayed the prayer and committed his life into the hands of Jesus. And a few days later, he was ushered into heaven by angels into the presence of God. And I look forward to seeing, seeing him. I run out to go tell the family as I get outside his hospital door. There's another 85-year-old man, same age, leaning against the hospital wall on a wheelchair, and he's waving at me. So I go closer. I said, sir, do you need a doctor? He says, I need to talk to you. I said, I said, sir, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a nurse. I can get you one. He says, no, no. I need to talk. I've never met this man before. I pull up a chair, and I said, his name tag says Billy. I said, Mr. Billy, what's going on? He says, I don't have many days. I'm about to meet God and I'm not ready. I'm terrified and something said, I need to talk to you. I just ran out of Grandpa Fred's room. This is this only God can set this up. I said, Mr. Billy, I said, this is why the gospel is good news. Even though you can do anything good for Jesus, he has the authority and he has the desire to save you today if you would put all your faith and all your confidence in him alone and right there within five minutes mr billy gave his life just like grandpa fred did to jesus as he's praying the prayer of salvation tears are streaming down his face he says i've never felt this joy before i said mr billy i'll see you in heaven and i left i left Grandpa Fred and Mr. Billy could not do one thing for Jesus. Oh, and they are in the glory of God today. That is who you know. Do you realize this? That's who you know. You know this gospel. You know this message. And because you know him, you are called to go for him. Because you understand this, because you are full of the Holy Spirit, you've been saved by grace through faith. You do not wonder, you don't walk in here wondering, oh, I wonder if God sees me and cares about me. No, you know Jesus. The gospel is alive in you. Your life has been transformed. You don't have to wonder how much knowledge do I have to defend him? Well, what kind of scientific arguments do I have to prove that he's there? Brother, I have met the man. I met Jesus. I know who he is. God's calling you who know him, those who know him, to not just grow, but to go. Let's go to Matthew chapter 28 as we conclude this moment together. Matthew chapter 28. Verse 18 to 20. You can read on the screens if you don't have your Bible with you. Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Jesus said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you even to the end of the age. See, in the Old Testament, when we started with Abraham, uh, Adam, Abraham, Moses, Joshua, there was commands to go. But I don't know if you noticed this. There was promises attached to the command. Did you see that? He said, go and I will bless you. He blessed them and he said, go. Go and I will bless you. Here in the New Testament, Jesus looks at his disciples. 
and he gives them, he, he points to a promise, he gives them a command, and then he gives them another promise. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth is mine. I just defeated death. You are now interacting with the resurrected king, the king of kings, the one whose kingdom will not come and then faint away the kingdom that will last for all eternity. I have all authority. There's no name under heaven given outside of the name of Jesus by which anyone can be saved. He says, it's all mine. I have the authority to forgive. I have the authority, authority to heal. I have the authority, authority to judge. And I have the authority to take people to heaven. I have all the authority. So he makes a promise. Then he says, therefore go where? Into all the world. And then he says, baptize people, preach the gospel, make disciples. And then he says, teach them to observe all I've commanded you. And then he says, I will be with you. So we have a promise, we have a command, and we have a promise. A couple thoughts as we close this. Why do we go? Why is it that we as Bethel are called to go? Why? Because... All authority belongs to Jesus. There's no other name under heaven given by which man must be saved. Acts chapter 4 verse 12. Let's read this together. Acts chapter 4 verse 12. There is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. If there was another way for people to be born again, let them go find that. If there was a way for people to deal with their own sin and guilt and shame and bridge the gap between them and God, let them go find that. But this is why we go. There's no other path. There's no other mediation between God and man outside of Jesus. He is the only mediator. Why do we go? Because all authority belongs to him and he's the only name under heaven by which we must be saved. Now secondly, where do we go? Ask Bethel, here's where we go. We go to the campus. We are called as a people to value the next generation. We go to Vanderbilt, we go to Fisk, we go to TSU, we go to Meharry, we go to every university that is in this city, we go to every high school that is in this city, we go to every middle school that's in the city and in the cities close to us. Why? Because God has given Bethel a stewardship to go to the campus to the next generation. They must know that's why we go we also go to our community so let me just pause for a moment and talk about community so first we go to the campus second we go to community just look around yourself for a moment just make eye contact with someone that doesn't look like you when i said look like you like you know they don't have as much makeup on as you i'm just joking we first go where we go we go to the campus we go to our community god places us in community God called us to go to our community. So people will say something like, well, I want to go to the world and preach, to Je preach Jesus to the world. Well, why don't we start in your community? Why don't, why don't you acknowledge the people around you, your neighbors that has been mean to you and won't greet you, the people that, that, that you, you feel like they don't deserve to hear about Jesus? I ain't telling them. The, the friend you have that maybe believes in a very different version of a God or doesn't believe in a God at all, and you think, he's going to dismiss me. I'm not going to tell him. He doesn't, he doesn't care. No, God placed you in your community because he wants you to bring other people to the knowledge of who he is. Jesus, listen, let me say this again. 
if you would obey him to go, you'll experience the promise. And all the Bible figures we read about, as they went, when they said yes to God's call to go, they discovered the promises of God. As you go to your neighbor, as you go to your community, you will discover the power of God to save. You'll discover God's grace that's been made available. I remember living in West Texas not too long ago, a couple years ago, and it was, I was grumbling. Anyone ever grumbled before? You just kind of a little mad because of where you live? Now, if you've not lived outside of Nashville, you don't have much to complain about. Try moving to the desert where there's no tree taller than four feet. Now, the people is amazing. It's not a lot to see. In fact, you can see a lot. You can see for days. And I remember thinking, Lord, I feel like I've, I've fallen off the map of the earth. And I feel called to the nations. And the Lord spoke to me very clearly. He said, if you would reach your community, if you would reach these campuses that I have put in front of you, you'll touch the world. That's what the Lord said to me. I went to my campus the next day. I went to the soccer team at our university. And I realized that 95% of the team was international students. Within six months, we had 14 different nations represented in our college ministry. If you would just reach your community, if you would just do what God's called you to do here, you'll touch the nations. Bethel, here, we reach a city to touch the world. We are called to reach this city to touch the world. So we first go to the campus, that's where we go. We go to our community, and then finally we go to the world. Now let's end with this and let's stand together if you don't mind. Why do we go? Because there's no other name under heaven that's been made available to man by which we can be saved. <clears throat> Where do we go? We go to the campus. We go to our community. We go to the nations. And finally, how do we go? How does Bethel go? How do we in this room go? We go in the way that Jesus spoke to his disciples in Acts chapter 8, 1 verse 8. He said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. So in God's command to go, there's a promise that there's another agent that's at work. And who's that agent? That's the Holy Spirit the spirit of the living God when I became a Christian I when I came to know Jesus my first trip to a sports game our university in South Africa rented an entire train and we traveled through the night to another university all the sports teams and fans entire train imagine this the massive train we got it was a fun experience I just came to know Jesus. I don't think I, I, I committed one verse to memory yet. I don't, think I, I don't think I knew one verse yet. And at the end of this game, I had a really good game. And everyone was happy because I, you know, and they, I played for, for the, 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 the team that got the most uh, uh, notoriety in the, in, the, in the university. And they had a very good game. It was a big moment. And everybody wanted to talk to me, but I changed. Because the, the man they once knew has now been different because I came to know Jesus. 
So at the end, I would go from, have you been on a train? It's like a very slim little corridor. And I would walk and I would knock on a door and the random people I've never met would open. Oh, Ernie, I'd say, hey guys, I have something to tell you. And, I would, and they would, you know, have beer bottles and they would be smoking some stuff, you know. And I would sit down and I'd say, guys, I got to tell you something. Man, something happened in my life. And they thought I was going to talk about this game and how awesome that was. But I came to know someone that was so much better than anything I'd ever experienced. And I just shared the gospel. He knew what, what amazed me. This one guy was so drunk, he smashed his uh, glass on his head, cut his whole head open. So now he's on the train, blood dripping down from his face. And I'm just going from, from little apartment to compartment to compartment, preaching the gospel to everybody. Now I've got like a little following. People, you know, I'm praying for healing. People that just got injured in their games is getting miraculously healed. I, I, God's moving. He's, I, I've, I've known the Lord so, so, so briefly. I just came to know Him. And this guy, I see him, he's just blood running down his face and he's drunk as can be. I put my hand on his head on that blood. I said, brother, be sober right now in the name of Jesus. And he just sobers up. He's just not foolish anymore. And I said, bro, do you know who Jesus is? And, and as I'm talking to him, like his countenance changes. And, I, and then we go to the next place and with this guy ripped his hamstring, we pray for him. He says, man, my pain's gone. And so but at the end of this moment, I don't know how many people receive Jesus by the end of this. But see, there's a promise that once we come to know Jesus, we don't just grow as believers and, and be sanctified and, 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 and grow in, in knowledge of Christ. We start walking under the power of Christ. And the call is on the church to go and make Him known. But here's the problem is none of you and I have the authority to change lives. That exclusively rests with Jesus and the Holy Spirit. John chapter 6, 63 says, It is the Spirit that gives life. The flesh is no help at all. But would you go? Would you obey and go and allow the promise to become a reality in your life? Do you want to see God move? And not just be a, a, a person that's saying, Yeah, I heard God does these things. But you are a person that says, no, I don't just know Jesus. I know how he works. I've seen him change people's lives. If you want that, I want you to just put your hand up and say, I want to go for God. I want to obey this command. And I want the promises of God to fill me with his Holy Spirit, to make me a witness, to come alive in my life. I want to start sharing my faith. I want to see the lost saved. I want to see the sick healed. I want to see the dead raised. I'll do anything and I'll go anywhere for him. If that's you, put your hands up real high. Don't put it up because your neighbor puts it up. I'm serious. And don't put it up if you aren't willing to walk out of here and actually go when he says go. Pastor James. I'm going to pray a prayer and then Pastor James is going to help us close this moment. Lord, I thank you for this church. I thank you for these people, my brothers and my sisters in Christ. Lord, you've called us to be a people that's united in you. You have added us from different walks of life and nations. You've brought us into this room on the corner of Granny White to be a people that know you, to be a people that's growing, and Lord, in this moment, to be a people that says yes to go on your behalf, to be used by you. Now, Lord, I pray, Holy Spirit, right now that you would come upon every believer. Holy Spirit, this promise that you made to your disciples, 
the promise that you would pour out your spirit. I pray, Holy Spirit, you would fall on us right now, right there where you are. Just say, Holy Spirit, fill me with your power to be a witness. Fill me with your grace. Lord, I will go. You send me. You lead me. I'll follow. Lord, I will go in Jesus' name.